Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Well, we're partway through a series on the life of Jesus, the most extraordinary life ever lived. We've looked at him as the teacher, the healer, the Christ, and over the last few nights, as the judge of the world. But there's a theme that has to be held right alongside the idea of Jesus as judge. It's the wonderful truth that Jesus is the friend of sinners. The one who came to proclaim and embody the friendship God wants to have with every one of us. My own introduction to Christian faith came not through family tradition or church attendance, but through the irresistible power of friendship and good food. My middle-aged year nine scripture teacher at a state high school had the courage one day to invite the entire class to her home for um, discussions about God. Now, the invitation would have gone unnoticed, except that she added, I'll be making hamburgers, milkshakes and scones for anyone who's hungry. Well, that menu topped the chocolate bars my friends and I were pinching most afternoons after school from the local supermarket. So one Friday afternoon, several weeks later, we found ourselves sitting on a comfy lounge in this woman's home with half a dozen other classmates feasting on her fantastic food and bracing ourselves for the God part. As I looked around the room, I was amazed that this woman would open her home and kitchen to us. Some of the lads there that day were noted sinners in our school. One was a drug user and seller. One was a class clown and bully. Another was a petty thief with a string of break and enters to his credit. What was she thinking inviting us for a meal and discussion? We returned the next Friday with more hungry friends and the next and the next. In fact, we turned up at this woman's home most Friday afternoons after school for the next year and a half. Now, at no point was this scripture teacher pushy or preachy. Her style was completely relaxed and incredibly generous toward us. When her VCR went missing one day, you know, she made almost nothing of it, even though she suspected, reasonably enough, that one of us had taken it. For me, her open, flexible, generous attitude toward us sinners was the doorway into understanding the significance of Jesus. As we ate and drank and talked, it was very clear this was no missionary ploy on her part. She truly cared for us and treated us like friends or like sons. And over the course of the next year, she introduced me, as well as several others from that same class, to the ultimate friend of sinners, Jesus. And three of those lads are now full-time pastors. My scripture teacher embodied and illustrated for me one of the most striking dimensions of the ministry of the historical Jesus. Jesus was famous in first century Palestine for similar, though infinitely more significant, friendships with those classed sinners. Sinners were those in Jewish society who lived outside the laws of the Old Testament, as interpreted by a first century Jewish faction known as the Pharisees. Sinners weren't necessarily all prostitutes and murderers and thieves. They could just as easily be worldly businessmen who neglected synagogue attendance or conducted business with the occupying Romans. 
as the Jewish tax collectors did. Sinners were the immoral and irreligious in a broadly moral and religious society. In the Judaism of Jesus' day, contact with sinners was strictly regulated, especially by the Pharisees. To enter the home of a sinner, or to have a sinner enter your home, was to become tainted by their spiritual uncleanness. In order to become clean again, you'd have to undergo a series of ritual washings. Even the house itself became unclean if a sinner walked in. In the collection of ancient Jewish teachings known to us as the Mishnah, this is still a holy book for Orthodox Judaism today, there's a passage all about what happens if tax collectors, thieves, or non-Jews, that's Gentiles, enter your home. The passage records exactly the sort of thing that was believed in Jesus' day. So let me read it out to you. Concerning tax collectors who enter the house, the house is unclean. Concerning thieves who enter the house, only the place trodden by the feet of the thieves is unclean. And what do they render unclean? The foods and the liquids and the clay utensils which are open. But the couches and the seats and clay utensils which are sealed with a tight seal are clean. If there is a Gentile with them, everything is unclean. Sharing meals with sinners and with Gentiles was especially objectionable in first century Palestine. Um, in ancient societies, eating and drinking were powerful symbols of human fellowship. To share food and drink with people was to identify with them and, in a sense, to endorse them. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to this quote from Professor Graham Stanton from Cambridge University. Sharing a meal with a friend today is often no more than a convenient way of consuming food. In the Greco-Roman and Jewish world of the first century, however, eating food with another person was far more significant socially. It indicated that the invited person was being accepted into a relationship in which the bonds were as close as in family relations. One normally invited to meals only people whom one considered social and religious equals. In a first century Jewish setting then, which is when Jesus was, eating with sinners would be tantamount to endorsing their behavior and so sharing in their status. Here's the thing. Jesus flouted these centuries-old customs. He regularly ate and drank with those considered moral and religious outcasts. He was so famous for this, or perhaps infamous for this, he came to be slandered in public by his detractors. And quite surprisingly, from the historian's point of view, this slander, this public insult, is preserved in our Christian Gospels. Luke chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 11 both record the words of Jesus' slanderers. Here it is. Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That such a rumour could have arisen about Jesus seems strange to us today, but it did. And historians regard these scandalous dining habits of Jesus as one of the most striking and certain features of his public ministry. Let me give you a couple more examples, just so you know I'm not making all this up. Um, Mark chapter 2, verse 15. 
While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Or what about this one from Luke chapter 15, verse 1? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. My point is, Jesus was famous for his willingness to share meals with, even befriend, those classed as sinners. Don't you think that's great news? Jesus Christ the Lord and judge of the world cares for those who deserve judgment. He didn't shun them, as some of us in the modern church sometimes do. He welcomed them. He extended the hand of friendship to them and urged them to return to God. You know, when I was first learning about um, Jesus Christ as a 15 or 16-year-old, I had no difficulty believing that God and Christians cared for me. Now, this was the case, even though I knew perfectly well I hadn't exactly lived the Christian life. The reason, of course, was that the main Christian in my life at that time was the scripture teacher I mentioned earlier. She was the embodiment of a friend of sinners. On one occasion, I remember, after a late night school party, one of my friends, I'll call him David, that's not his real name, was heavily inebriated. Amid episodes of falling over and vomiting, he begged us not to take him home. He was terrified of what his father might do if he saw him like that. Then one of us had a bright idea, and, you know, to tell you about it now, I'm a little embarrassed. Hey, doesn't the scripture teacher live just down the road, one of us said. Sure enough, ten minutes later, we were knocking on this woman's door at about midnight, interrupting her own dinner party. Now, the fact that we all thought this was a perfectly reasonable idea at the time tells you what kind of person she seemed to us. And the fact that she didn't bat an eyelid tells you even more. And she was a strict teetotaler, never touched alcohol herself. She showed us into her home. She let us throw David in the shower. Um, She gave him some of her son's old clothes. And then she let us put him in one of the spare bedrooms for the night as she went back to her own guests. When we came to collect David the next morning, about 10 a.m., there was the scripture teacher cooking him breakfast. Not that he looked like he felt much like breakfast. My point is, when you have that kind of Christian in your life, believing that God, Christ, and the church love sinners is easy. And that made it easy for me to believe in Christ's love. Of course, I later learned how to doubt God's love and also how to look down on sinners myself. But that was only after mixing with some moralizing Christians for a while. In those early days of learning about Jesus, I had no idea that someone could be bigoted and Christian at the same time. My point is a very, very simple one. The love that Christ showed toward the unworthy should be modelled in how we treat everyone around us. Those who know the true friend of sinners, Jesus, will be a friend 
to other sinners. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.